What is up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Five Star Jobbers Podcast. I'm Cody. And I am Jack Perry's glass technician. And yeah, we've we've got a lot to talk about that for yeah. sure. Um that for those of you pump, that, man. Yeah. Every for, nice thing I said about him, I take it back now. Exactly. For, so first off, we want to start by apologizing to everybody. We were a week behind just because some sickness going around. John wasn't feeling 100%, and we just didn't want to give you a cruddy John. You know what I mean? No, so we want John. At, yeah, we want John at 100%, giving him all of his energy. So we just decided to take a week off and just relax and recuperate. So we are back now. We've got another episode, and we're excited to bring in a special guest. Before we get into that, want to make sure that everybody knows we are on social media. Go find us on Facebook and Instagram at Five Star Jobbers. And just thank you all for listening and tuning into all of our episodes. We thoroughly are grateful for your support and just keep listening because we got more content coming up. But as I said, we've got a special guest for this episode. He is none other than Max Dawson. Max, thank you so much for being on the podcast and welcome. Hey, good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Glad to be here. So, Max, <laughs> introduce, yourself, introduce yourself to the lovely people. Tell us about yourself. Well, you see, they call me Roughneck Dawson. I've been going by that name for a long time now. Been in the wrestling business. I started in 2008 with Dory Funk over in Ocala is where I got started. All then right. With uh, Kyle Blizzard at Go Wrestle. Uh, when I was in Daytona Beach, I crossed paths with so many people. Uh, everybody that's wrestled in Florida in recent times has come through Go Wrestle and Daytona Beach. A lot of AEW stars, uh, handful of people that's made it to NXT. Uh, Mikey Spandex is up there as a referee now in NXT. Dante Marquise Carter, been NXT, AEW, been all around. Wow. That's incredible. So what kind of got you into professional wrestling when you first started out? Like, what was the thing that just inspired you to go into it? Well, I'll be honest. Uh, you know, obviously, as a kid, wanted to do it. Me and my best friend, we'd uh, get on the little keyboard, make entrance music, you know, just playing around. Yeah. I was... uh. I think it was 19 when I started with Dory Funk. And uh, it was so hard to find schools at that time. Like, you, you had to go through all the nooks and crannies and try to – you you really had to search if you wanted to wrestle. Exactly. To um. So I got hooked up with him and went through his camp, uh, worked with a lot of people, Blaine Rage, Ryan Mitchell, who actually went over and did a couple tours in Japan, uh, had some NWA titles at the time. Um, and then, uh, you know, I was young, listened to some well-meaning advice where people were concerned, like, well, yeah, think about bills and taking care of a family, like, you know, like wrestling kind of, you know, uh, a fairy tale thing. And so, so, you know, I listened to that advice and stepped away from wrestling and for, uh, it was about 12 years before I got back into it. Oh, wow. 12 straight years, I thought about nothing but wrestling. <laughs> uh, every time I came up against a pole, I'd give it a little forearm just because, like, it was just. <laughs> so uh, when I turned 30 years old, uh, I started working for the Department of Corrections. And I turned 30 years old, and I said, you know, it's now or never. If I'm going to get back into it, like, I'm 30, I can still have a decent, like, 10, 15 year career. <laughs> and uh, so then I started looking out uh, for schools again. And found Kyle Blizzard in Daytona Beach and uh, showed up and, you know, got the ball rolling again. 
that's awesome. So you got you got trained by Dory Funk. I mean, who's just I mean, across the board legend. Um, tell tell us about that. You know, what was it like? You know, learning under you know that that tree, that knowledge. I mean, was there anybody that you that you were in the ring with um, that's gone on since then? And then uh, you know what was you know what was his what was his style? How how was he as a trainer? Oh, it was amazing. Um, and. You know, at the time, I don't, I don't know his age, but he, you know, at that time, he's, uh, it was more of the knowledge he passed on. Um, but when he came in, I remember one specific time, uh, he got me in a wrist lock, and I took a flip bump on the wrist lock, <laughs> and you know, just being in the ring, having a legend like Dory Funk giving you a wrist lock, taking you over into an arm bar, and just looking up at him like, yeah, this is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got a, you got a, you got an uh, NWA world champion uh, holding you in a wrist lock. That's that's pretty surreal. Yeah. Uh, did you ever uh, did did Terry ever come in during that time? I mean, I know they used to train together. Is this so during this time? Dory's training. Terry's Terry's not part of the the academy or the the, the train because they used to have Funk You, but obviously this isn't Funk You because that was over in Texas. This is in Ocala, correct? Yeah, this was uh, the Funking Conservatory, which they still run to this day in Ocala. Oh, cool. And so, yeah, I never did uh, meet Terry. Um, we had Jimmy Hart would come in, uh, Mickey James. Um, wow, yeah, that's awesome. Kim came in. Um, yeah, she worked a lot with uh, uh, Claudia Reef, who's still a big uh, referee in the Florida scene. She's all over Florida. But uh, she was getting to work all those legendary females. <laughs> they would come That's... in. Wow. Hack Myers, uh, one of the ECW originals. Mm-hmm. No, that's crazy. So one of the things I kind of want to touch on, because you do you primarily work as a heel? Because I know based on what I've, what I've seen from uh, the show that I went and saw you, at, I think it was Freedom Force at the time, and it was you and uh, James the Gator Grimm, who we previously had on here. Uh, where you were working as a heel against him. Do you primarily work as a heel, or is that something that you've just kind of recently took on? So I'm I'm one of those uh, believers in a heel by nature. I figure, you know, it, it's pretty much who I am. It's what I do. So uh, it works for me. I got you. Nice. So, so for all of our listeners that are not familiar, because a lot of times we have people that have joined on the podcast that maybe this is their first time getting into professional wrestling. Whenever we say working as a heel in the wrestling world, you have heels and faces heel is your bad guys and faces are your good guys. And so whenever we say, well, somebody is a heel, they're the bad guy in the situation. They're the one that everybody boos or hates whenever they're in a match. And so as you're working as a heel, have you had, and I know that a lot of people have different stories about this. Have you had any kind of crazy interactions with fans? Cause sometimes whenever fans get involved or are, at a wrestling event and there's someone that is on the card that they just absolutely cannot stand. Like you look at guys like Roddy Piper or currently MJF. Like, is there any kind of interactions that you've had where it's either come close to blows or someone's got a little too into it? Oh yeah. There's definitely been some uh, heated moments. Um, And that's where as a professional that you know how to de-escalate, escalate, which is something that I bring from my law enforcement experience which has benefited me in professional wrestling is de-escalation where I know I have a job to do and I love to do it. But at the same time, 
I also have to ensure the show goes on. So, you know, it's a thin line. Right. For sure. Like, can you share kind of a story where one kind of like was getting escalated and you had to de-escalate it? Not, not really. <laughs> I, I know. I was, I was waiting for the long pause there because I was like, maybe there's some that you can't really share. Heck, the guilty. I would uh, probably not. I got you. I got you. But yeah. So, um, uh, has come to blows and has, you know, uh, well, I mean, I mean, police have showed up, and when the the sheriff's department showed up, the the amazing thing about it. They're back in the backstage doing interviews or uh, uh, taking reports. And I think they were more excited to be a part of the wrestling show or see behind the scenes than they were to take reports. (laughs) (laughs) It all worked out perfectly. So that that actually leads me to a question that I, you know, I think it's kind of a hot, hotly debated uh, question among the indie scenes. Uh, I've seen a lot of, back and forth um i just want to get your opinion of it i mean obviously you know we don't we don't live in the old era of professional wrestling um where you know kayfabe is law you know it's you know back in the 90s with with mcmahon coming clean and talking about scripted and you know the the winners being chosen ahead of time you know there's still elements of kayfabe obviously but the, there's the idea that kayfabe is dead you know a lot of a lot of let's say there's a lot of professional wrestlers and the indie wrestlers that you know they say kayfabe is dead and so like their their whole shtick is they don't they don't want to do anything that's that's kayfabe do you or do, do you subscribe because there's a lot of old school people and new school people who still believe very much kayfabe is very much alive and it's very important to keep your character intact you know as best as possible to the fans what's what's your opinion on that you know are you kind of like a kayfabe is is dead guy or are you like you know are you do you believe fully you know it's all about keeping the character and and no matter what happens during the show preserve the character kayfabe is very much alive yep Kayfabe is a thing um i always say i'm a terrible actor I don't, I don't know if you could pay me enough money to do a good job in a movie. So when you see me in some pain, I'm, I'm probably hurting. <laughs> um, uh, I was going somewhere with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I just, that, that's, that's good. I was, yeah. Cause I'm just, it's interesting to hear because some people really are, you know, like like I said, the 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 whole, uh, you know, one one of the things that's coming out of the whole issue with the CM Punk and Jack Perry, and you've got some of these people that sit there and say kayfabe is dead, and it's they're all about the wanting to make sure that things are real and realism and things like that, and there's less emphasis on on the character, there's less emphasis on the mystique of professional wrestling, and they're all about if it's not real, it's not worth doing. But yeah. I, I, I agree with you fully, and I feel like uh, if kayfabe's dead, then what are we doing here? Yeah, no, um, where, I, where, I was, where my head was at a minute ago was there are so many people that I have seen watch wrestling clips. I'm, I'm sitting next to them, and they say, oh, you could tell that was real. 
oh, you know, that definitely like, you know, that was this, that was that. Um, uh, there was a conversation between two other people. I just happened to overhear it about the Samoan spike with a thumb in the throat. Mm-hmm. And whether he's really hitting him in the throat, knocking the wind out of him. And they are having a heated discussion about it. And I'm just sitting back, just rubbing my hands like, yes, kayfabe is alive and well. And again, if kayfabe's dead, what are we doing? Exactly. I think kayfabe is dead is an excuse for those who don't know how to work. 100%. We agree. Yes, sir. So let me ask you, let me ask you a question though, too. So you got, you said, you said you got into wrestling when you were 19 years old. So obviously, uh, you know, you were a fan before that. So, um, what was, if you can, if you can go back, what was like your, uh, this is what, this is what I meant to do moment. Like, uh, what match, what uh, pay-per-view or raw or, you know, nitro, what was the, you know, what was that thing that, you know, just stuck in your head? Like I always tell, say, say to people, you know, when we interview, I was like, when, when I wanted to do it, it was WrestleMania 12, Shawn Michaels coming in from the rafters, you know, and, you know, the boyhood dream comes true, the Iron Man match, that had me hook, line, and sinker. From that point on, I was a mark for life, and, you know, all I all I talked about wanting to do was be a professional wrestler for years after that. What was your What was that moment for you? So... Oddly enough, uh, you know, I know Chris Benoit gets a lot of heat. The mm-hmm. very, the very first memory I have of wrestling that I can pinpoint was Chris Benoit coming out on Nitro, and me, and my dad, and my brother sitting on the couch and saying, "Oh, the Crippler! Like this guy is gonna, like yeah, this guy is legit. This guy is serious." Mm-hmm. You asked me about my first memory of wrestling. That moment, watching him walk out. And knowing that he's legit and he's gonna mess somebody up, just just sticks with me. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, when I was uh, about, I think nine years old, uh, there's this kid in our neighborhood that uh, that's uh, he was diehard WWF, WCW, uh, whatever he could find, whatever he could get. All his walls were covered with posters. He had every single VHS tape. <laughs> the catalyst from taking the little bit of knowledge I had. And as soon as I met him, it just exploded. <laughs> gotcha. And yeah. That makes sense. Gotta be into, this is what I'm, yeah, this is my thing. <laughs> That's nice. awesome, man. So kind of piggybacking off of that, you know, like I said before, we like to ask all of our guests what their Mount Rushmore wrestlers are. So go ahead and hit us with it. Who would you say is your Mount Rushmore of wrestling? So I always say Arn Anderson and uh, I, j- I just see myself like I see his style, his look. And, you know, I, don't, I, I hate to put I hate to say, like you know, I don't want to be the guy that says one thing like that. This is who I look like or this is how I am. And then other people be like, oh, you know, we're close. But I really believe Arn Anderson is the closest thing to my style, my look, what I naturally mm-hmm. am. So I love watching his stuff just because I see myself almost as like, you know, taking most of my influence from him. Um, with that being said, also Ted DiBiase. I love uh, old school Ted DiBiase, uh, Mid-South Ted DiBiase, like 1984, 85. Mm-hmm. 
black glove. I brought the black glove back. I know I'm not the first one to bring it back, but uh, along with Blackjack Mulligan, Barry Windham, Ted DiBiase, um, black the loaded black glove has been a staple in wrestling. But uh, from Ted DiBiase, watching his stuff, being influenced by Ted DiBiase, um, is where that came from for me. And then, like I said, uh, Chris Benoit, uh, just his uh, intensity, his uh, body style, he's always fit, always in shape. Um, I wish I could be as in shape as he was, but everything that uh, every part of his matches from the intensity, everything that he brought, uh, always been a big fan of him. Um, of course, Hulk Hogan, and uh, you know, that's probably a staple of everybody's like, you know, Mount Rushmore. Um, I remember being at my first Nitro is 99. We went to Nitro in uh, Gainesville, Florida, and there's a group of uh college guys, like, you know, fraternity or something, and they're like, You like Hulk Hogan? And I was like, Of course, I do. And they're like, You're cool with us. And I was like, Yeah, yeah I'm cool. <laughs> Somebody, <laughs> that's awesome, man. Um, yeah, uh, so that's that's a, yeah, it's a great great list. Uh, I mean, so other than the Hogan, uh, you've got quite a few bruisers, and and you know, like uh, you know, you're you're really intense guys. So you can definitely tell you're 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 more into the the legit tough guy character, uh, you know, and the the you know, more the enforcer type wrestler, you know, as opposed to you know, like Arn Anderson. You know, a lot of people will sit there and say Ric Flair. You know, uh, you'll put Ric Flair on their on their uh, Mount Rushmore, but you know, Art Anderson. It's like they're, you know, that anybody who's anybody knows like Ric Flair is great, but I don't really know that Ric Flair would have been as much Ric Flair if he didn't have Art Anderson by his side. One hundred percent. You know, um, and you know, like you look at yeah, old school Ted DiBiase, even before he was doing the Million Dollar Man. There's there's so many people that have come out and talked about just how uh, proficient he he was in the ring. And, you know, at, at getting fan, you know, basically getting fans into the match and, and his ring psychology, you know, well before coming to the WWF and, and being the million dollar man. So that's, that's cool. It's always interesting hearing people's Mount Rushmore's cause it's never the same. Like you, you would think that like, Oh, everyone's going to pick the same four people. I haven't, I haven't ran into anybody who picks the same four people not right, once yet. And that's the great thing about this, because we talked about this earlier on in the podcast. You know, me and John both come from two different eras in wrestling. I was more of like the ruthless aggression getting into wrestling at that time, like early 2000s or mid 2000s. And John was more the attitude era where you got guys like uh, Undertaker, Stone Cold, The Rock and all these guys in Triple H. And so just seeing all these different answers with the Mount Rushmore's or just hearing like what we grew up with. It's so crazy because everybody has a different uh, viewpoint from where they got into wrestling and they have different memories of different matches or different events. And that's the cool thing about the wrestling community, I'll, I'll call it, for lack of better terms, is that it all connects us in some weird way. But it's amazing just to hear everybody's per, uh, perspective on it. Mm-hmm. So, I definitely want to talk about uh, kind of talking about the world of wrestling now. Do you keep up with anything as far as WWE or AEW as current right now? I uh, I check in on it. Um, I try to watch the pay-per-views, and I watch clips. I don't sit down. Like, I can't find the time, really, to sit down and watch, you know, three, four hours of TV. 
Um, it's a lot of content. With uh, what I can, yes, sir. Right. Uh, see something in the headlines. I got to see what's going on with it. Exactly. Well, uh, one of the things I will ask you about, and we'll kind of talk about something else here in just a second, what we talked about earlier. Uh, who would you say, based on what you've seen just in catching the headlines or watching clips here and there, who would you say currently has the better televised product? I mean, I would definitely go with WWE at this time. Um, I'm, I've never been, even with WCW and WWF, I flip the channels back and forth like everybody else. <laughs> Same thing with AEW, uh, WWE. I'm not going to say anybody's like, you know, worse than this or worse than that, but I would go with WWE because they have the experience and knowing what they're doing. I, uh, AEW still figuring things out even after several years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's understandable. I mean, WWE has what 30, 30 uh, years on them with a television product. Well, longer if you go all the way back, but yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, and th- it's like we talked about before, you know, AEW is still, I would say they're still in the growing phase trying to figure out yep. what to do and still trying to figure out how to work storylines or how to develop what they have. Because right now, what I would say, and we've talked about it before, with WWE, they have more storylines and it's more entertainment. With AEW, you get more of just wrestling. Like, it's more of about the action. And the thing about that is, I actually have notes where that's the whole reason or back in the 90s, WCW, it was all action. WWF, yep. characters and storylines. So Yeah, it's it's not, nothing's ever changed. It's only only the names have changed, you know, as as the Bon Jovi song goes. Um, you know, Crockett became WCW and that was always their shtick. You know, they, they always said it was more about the wrestling than it was about the characters. And you know, even then, like, you know, we we, we know some uh, some good people who are very much about like the body and the look of professional wrestling, but if even even you know and how AEW guys don't look like WWE guys, you go back in the eighties and nineties and you look at Crockett and what became WCW. That's always been like they, there's always been an alternative that had guys that were a little bit more looking like the common everyday guy. Uh, and it was say where the wrestling was was more about wrestling. And yeah, WCW didn't start, t- you know, WCW didn't start really messing with WWE's ratings until 95, 96. And you think about that, like WCW was on TV for, you know, at least five or six years before they were a real co- competitor. And that's WCW, which was just an extension of Jim Crockett, which had been on for, you know, decades. So, like, you know, where AEW is at now, it's, you know, people actually put it in perspective. It's 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 come a, a really long way, really, really quick. But, you know, WWE's always been about the production, the, the showmanship, and, you know, characterization and stories. And wrestling's always been the side piece, whereas the alternative has always been more professional wrestling with a little bit of a story to make the fights marketable. Exactly. Well, talking about the world of professional wrestling, one of the things I definitely want to talk about, and since we've got a guest, we can get a wrestler's perspective as well. It's something that's been talked about ever since All In in London, and I figured this is the best time now 
to talk about it is the oh, yeah. situation with CM Punk and Jack Perry. Now, we've all seen the headlines. We've all seen the reports and everything. For those of you that haven't read up on it or heard what's going on, apparently, long story short, CM Punk and Jack Perry got into an altercation backstage at All In in London, and it led to the suspension at the time of Jack Perry and CM Punk, which ultimately led into CM Punk being fired from AEW. We've seen reports and everything about how it's been differing opinions from different sides. Some say CM Punk started it. Some say Jack Perry bumped into Punk. It it was like a whole lot of different sides to the story. I kind of want to get everybody's thoughts on the whole situation. Like who was in the right, who was in the wrong. What, what, like, what do you think, the best outcome of this could have been, or if this was the best outcome for AW. Yeah, we'll let Max go first since he's our guest, and then uh, we'll, we'll follow up after that. I agree. Well, from my perspective, uh, I definitely think that CM Punk being as uh, seasoned as he is, I definitely don't think a physical altercation was the best route for that scenario. Uh, what Jack Perry, what did he do? Uh, he tapped on some glass, I guess, from my understanding, uh, CM Punk told him on collision that he doesn't need to use real glass. Right. Yeah. Thing all in, brought out the car, tapped on the glass and, uh, said, this is real glass. Cry me a river. Exactly. Pulling it through the real glass. That is not what I can see needing a physical altercation. And if you are the guy that jumps straight to a physical altercation over that, after already having a physical altercation being, uh, you know, the leave of absence, whatever the deal was he had in the past with the young bucks, then I, I think it's a, uh, the liability for the company. I think they did the right thing. Uh, you yeah. Know, they, bigger company. They are the what the second largest company in the United States. They have to protect their interests. It is a business, and I said for many years that was one of my taglines: "Is business is business," because that's exactly what it is. And yep. if you're going to get in the way of them doing business, well, they got to do what's best for them. I agree. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, my whole thing on it is, you know, from both sides, they could have been professional about it. I mean, see, from CM Punk's side. This was not something, like you said, this is not something to get into an altercation over. No. On Perry's side, he needs to grow up and maybe take advice from some of the veterans that he's under the learning tree of. Guys like CM Punk or guys like uh, Arn Anderson, guys like, uh, uh, who's some of the other ones that are backstage right now helping out? Um uh, Dean Malenko. Dean Malenko. Got, uh, Jerry Lynn. You've got, I mean, you've got a virtual who's who. Taz, uh, I mean, you've got a learning tree of all these great guys that have done so much in the business, and yet I think it's a lot of. I don't want to say it's a lot of the young bucks and Kenny Omega rubbing off on him, where he's they're basically telling him you got to kill yourself no, you pretty much it. to get over. You can say it to be honest. I mean, th- that's just how it feels, just from my perspective. It's too much of him trying to do all these crazy things, all these like deathmatch spots where it's like it's not necessary you can have a great match without having to go through real glass or go through thumbtacks for every single match yeah this is where i'm gonna this is where i'm gonna tag it on this one you know i agree with what you guys are saying and at the end of the day business is business it needs to be handled as business 
So in the sense of, you know, when this happened a year ago and it was the Bucks who came in to Punk's door because they didn't like what he said at the media scrum, they were in the wrong. When 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 people who are supposed to be, you know, peers in a, in a professional business can't handle a little bit of, you know, mouth running and criticism, at the end of the day, nothing that comes out of a mouth justifies physical violence because they're just words. They die, they go away. It's not the end of the world. Exactly. Um, but when, when the when the Bucks came to his door and knocked on his door, hot to trot, you stay on your ground. So now in this situation where you got CM Punk, you know, and, and, and most of these reports are saying that 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 you know he was the one coming up hot. Why did he come up hot? Because of what, what Perry said. Did what Perry do on the biggest program of AEW's histories thus far? Was that professional? Was that necessary? Was that valuable? Absolutely not. And if I was Tony Khan, I just lost CM Punk because of what happened, I'd be firing Jack Perry as well. Uh, from the the wrestling worldview, and I say I've never been around, never been a wrestler, but I've heard you know, hundreds and hundreds of hours of wrestlers talking about the wrestling culture and the world of, of professional wrestling. And I've heard so many people for Jack Perry to 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 be like that is just is absolutely ridiculously disrespectful. You've got a guy like CM Punk who's made more money in professional wrestling than Jack Perry ever will, giving him advice about how to manage your bump card so that you're not you know, in a hospital by the time you're 40 years, you know, you know, on crutches and a wheelchair by the time you're 40 years old. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Like, like, can, can, you know, is punk probably the nicest, easiest person to talk to guarantee the answer is no, no. But the fact of the matter is, is multiple. I, I guarantee there are multiple people, but the way that things are used to be handled in the professional wrestling world was when there was a beef between wrestlers that was handled between the wrestlers. And there's something, you know, about AEW. It's like, they tend to have, backstage issues a thousand times more than wwe so it's like in these situations you sit there and go what's the difference here you know like where's the wrestler's court as they say you know the why why is it that aew wrestlers can't manage their stuff and over in wwe it's fine obviously it's probably not fine. There's probably issues going on just as much in WWE, but you don't hear about them because they get handled because you have a collection of guys who handle business internally the way that it's supposed to be handled. Meanwhile, this stuff is like, it's just media fodder. And it's, it's, it makes Tony and everybody that's running the business look like they're inept and they don't know what they're doing. Exactly. I mean, yeah, it's, I think long story short, the best situation for this is just because Really, CM Punk, I mean, he's a draw just because of his name. And yep. I think we all agree that. And he, I mean, he's got a great career. He's had great moments. But I think in this point in his career, he's just getting too big for his britches, for lack of a better term. And so, and of course, there's reports that he might come back to WWE. I don't think Triple H will even take him back for a second. I don't think anybody no. would be wise to take him in right now just because of everything that's going on. And of course, I think Jack Perry should be let go as well. Just because yep. he's too much of a liability as well. No, you no, got a, you got a punk kid who's not willing to listen to anybody that's got way more experience than them. Let it go. It's exactly. waste of time. Go ahead, Max. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely one of the top five lessons that you can uh, 
learn in this business is choose your battles. Yeah. And very uh you know, the whole calling him out. He didn't call him out by name, but he knew exactly what he was doing when he did it. And he knew the stage he was on when he did it. Yep. And those that you should have just let go. If you're going to slam the guy through the glass, slam the guy through the glass. But choose your battles because they will haunt you and they will come back and bite you if you miscalculated, which yeah, I believe he did miscalculate. Absolutely. Yeah, because at the end of the day, he's, you know, he's on the biggest stage he's ever been on in his career and possibly could be the biggest stage he'll ever be on in his career. And he's getting to do exactly what he wants to do. So where's the need to even create the the hostility at that moment? Like, obviously, you know, he wanted to do a glass bump, you know, spot on a collision. And Punk said, no, that's not how we do things here. That's more of a dynamite thing. And, you know, okay, I get it. Talent, creative. He's frustrated because he feels like he's being limited. Yeah, go. What Jack Perry pretty much told us with his issues with CM Punk is that he has no career in WWE because he absolutely will never be able to work there where there's way more uh, restrictions put on wrestlers on what they can and can't do. Uh, But at the end of the day, he's not getting restricted at a huge, you know, Wimbledon arena venue you know, in front of over 80,000 people, he's going through real glass just like he wanted to. He got exactly what he wanted. CM Punk didn't stop him from going through real glass on that on that show. In fact, it probably made sense that CM Punk said nothing because what he probably said was, don't go through glass. He didn't say ever. He said, don't do it on a collision show. That's a bump that you do for big money, for a big pop, which, you know, Every major professional wrestler ever would probably give that same advice. I know for a fact that Mick Foley said it multiple times that he was told and then eventually told others that not every bump needs to happen every night. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's a situation that we're still waiting to hear more on, but I'm sure we will at some point. But yeah, long story short, I think both parties were in the wrong for this. Just pick, like you said, pick your battles and it would help definitely help your career and not haunt you in the rest of your life. But I want to wrap it up here, guys. Max, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. It's been a pleasure having you here. I know that I'll be coming to uh, DCCW this uh, this coming weekend. I know I'll see you there. But uh, look forward to seeing you in future shows. As always, you can find us on social media at Five Star Jobbers on Facebook and Instagram. And as always, keep it five stars.